In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, at the last Mass, I said at one point at the beginning of Mass, let us give our hearts to God. And one of our academy students bowed their heads and went like this. I thought, I can just scrap the homily then. That's the prayer. Just give everything to God. That's what this is about. Not about you, not about me, but it's about what God wants to do for us. And as we see in our gospel today, people aren't so open to that. So Jesus comes on the scene. He says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm your Messiah. And they're going, yeah, this is great. This is wonderful. And then he is building off of Jeremiah in the first reading today to say that, yes, but this is going to be for all people. And so why were they furious? It says they were filled with fury because they, Jesus wasn't going to be a part of their dream, what they wanted. So they got rid of him. They were furious because Jesus was going to bring the kingdom of God, not just to the chosen people, the Israelites, but he would use them to bring the good news to the ends of the earth. And so they shut him out because Jesus wasn't part of their dream. How about you and me with that? Same idea. I was thinking today, too, as we have the scripture reading, uh, St. Paul's hymn on love is so beautiful. He elucidates it in such a beautiful way. I was thinking about that. I've had hundreds and hundreds of weddings, and I've celebrated that scripture reading from Corinthians today for those weddings. We, we pray those words and how beautiful that is. I was thinking about that, but in terms of how the money flows in those and the wine and the beautiful decor. And I think about that. And then I th the other thing that came to my mind thinking about that was homelessness and how it's growing. Cities rising on Midway and left and right, and we see that. And that's a tension about what are we going to do about this. And money, most of our money and wealth in the hands of a few and two-thirds of the world is hungry today. And it's in our midst. And what do I do? I feel like I, I know I, I got to be speaking to myself, like, what am I doing about this? And this love, because we can think of this Corinthians reading and saying, oh, it's beautiful, all this wealth and material prosperity, and then juxtaposing it to the reality of most of the world. What is this love? So I just want to kind of focus on that and Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. So the church that he's speaking to is probably about 50 people, 50 new Christians converted from paganism in a, where Corinth is just growing, a, a Roman town, lots of different religious practices, cultures, paganism. So in the midst of this, he's speaking to this group of like 50 Corinthians about what this love is about. And he, he speaks to them in the letter to the Corinthians about the liturgy. And what is the liturgy about? And how we understand the liturgy is how we will live. So what is our understanding of this liturgy? And we read that St. Paul says, love does not seek its own interests, but we are here to seek the interests of the one who gave us the liturgy, God on high. So we believe as Catholics that liturgy is the source and the summit of our prayer and our life. As source, think about it, it springs forth. So today, as we receive the Eucharist, we spring forth from the Eucharist, and at the same time, it's the summit. It's the fullness of life. 
the highest level that we can live, source and summit as we, we come here for this liturgy. In the Didache, which was the early apostles' first century, kind of their catechism on baptism and Eucharist and life of the church, it was taught that Eucharist, the original meaning of Eucharist would mean breaking. Breaking as so to share. So being broken, open in our lives, so to share what we receive in the Eucharist. As I've told you a million times, you've heard me say, it is all about this belonging in this relationship. So the fractio pano, which is the fractioning right when we break the Eucharist before we receive it at the Lamb of God, that means that the Lord has entrusted to us the gifts of this earth and that those who are in abundance share with those who are in need. And that's our understanding and it's practiced till today what this is for the Eucharist that we share with injustice and solidarity with those who have not. So in this church that Paul's addressing, the Christians would come together in a home and they would celebrate the Eucharist in the context of a meal. It'd be during the middle of the meal or at the end of the meal. And that went well for a while and uh, we'll see how it breaks down. But it was like a pagan banquet, but it was different in a couple senses. One sense was there was no stratification. There was no, everybody was invited to this meal. The rich and the poor sat side by side in this meal as they celebrated. And then they fulfilled the command of the Eucharist to celebrate God's body and blood that he had given to us in Christ on the night of the Last Supper. So they were good about doing that. And uh, so it, there was that distinction. Everybody was welcome. Everybody was invited to come in. And this is what we celebrate. But then when Jesus left, there became divisions and factions. And St. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 11, you go ahead with your own supper. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. So there was hunger and there was drunkenness. And so he's addressing that church specifically. And he's saying the rich would get there earlier and begin to, to eat and drink. And by the time the poor got there, presumably because they were working, they got there, there would be no food. And so this division happened the exact opposite of what the Eucharist is about. It's not people gathering together to be divided, but it's people who are divided are gathered together in the Eucharist. That's what it's all about, the rich and the poor. So it's been taught by saints and leaders in the church and popes what the liturgy is, is really, it's a liturgy for the love of the poor. So when we celebrate the liturgy, the ethos of the liturgy is to drive us to something. And specifically, that's to God and to the poor. And we're driven to Jesus, the poor one, the one who left heaven and came here and was poor before us so that he might enrich us in his poverty. So Pope Benedict said this, love for the poor and divine liturgy go hand in hand. Love for the poor is liturgy. Love for the poor is liturgy. The two horizons are present in every liturgy. The church by its nature is opposed to any separation between worship and life. So what we do here, what, how we understand the Eucharist is how we're gonna understand how to live our lives. I have to be honest with you in preparing for this is like, well, is this gonna affect you? Is this gonna, most especially, is it gonna affect me? Or will I just go on as is? When a majority of the world's starving and thirsting and what's the ethos of the world? 
what's your ethos, what's my ethos? I could say a lot of it is about comfort and more comfort and more success. And the liturgy, that is not the bent of the liturgy as from the, the first times. So there can't be the separation between worship and life, faith and works, between prayer and charity for the poor, those who need that. Now, in the early church, what would happen in liturgy is provision and wealth was brought for God to use it for his church and the poor specifically. And that was the, the driving angle. The one who presided over the liturgy, like the presbyter, if he took out of the collection basket, if he stole from that, he was termed a murderer of the poor because that's how serious it was. In the councils in fifth and sixth century in Gaul, he was called a murderer of the poor if he took that away from the, where it was supposed to go. And we know the golden mouth, St. John Chrysostom said this about what we do in here and what we do out there. And he preached against opulent churches, adorning the investments, but not honoring those in the poor. And he said, no one's ever been blamed for adorning a church, but in the scriptures, no one's ever been blamed for not adorning the church, but hell is threatened for those who have not helped the poor. And we see that in Matthew 25. So he goes on to say, don't overlook the poor in distress while adorning his house, for he is more properly a temple than the other. The poor person that we see today is more properly a temple than here. Now, that's what Christism is saying to us. So we can ask ourselves this question and reflection as we look on love and the love of liturgy and liturgy is love for the poor is what is our ethos of this Eucharist? Is it for success and comfort, which we have to answer that question in our own lives, but we can see it left and right. How do we reconcile the Eucharist with injustice, the son of egoism? Injustice, the son of egoism. Now, you're not part of my dream. Get out, Lord. So we will go home and, and let this word rise up in us, or we will go home to our own problems, our own plans, all the things that we, we need to do and then forget our brothers and sisters as we understand what this Eucharist is about. Where is it driving us? When people look at me, they're saying, well, is he driven to the poor because he receives the Eucharist, which has been the very much practice and the ethos of the Eucharist in our church? So as we think about this and what we believe about the Eucharist we practice in the faith, we can think about this wisdom. You can never get enough of what you really don't want. I'll say it again. You can never get enough of what you really don't want. So if we're chasing after things that are not of God, we'll want more and more and more, and we'll become hungrier the more we eat. But if we're living the Eucharist, 
then there will be fulfillment and peace more and more as we move towards that final communion with the Lord. But if we're going after the things and not getting enough of what we really don't want, our hunger won't be satisfied. And we will keep multiplying it, and it will multiply only to our disgust and our vanity. So what's the cure? A different diet. And the Eucharist has offered us before us today. The scriptures that we read about, the understanding of what Paul's teaching to the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper, what it's about breaking in order to share so that everybody will be provided for. There will be no one hungry in this world. Jesus, he can disturb our dreaming. And he can disturb our going ahead with our own supper. If we allow it. If we beg for it. He can be the Lord of our supper.